0: Can I have my little my res- my image my yellow image back up? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like that. There we go. Thank you. That is my image that I got from Mount Tabor, and that's that that image actually. If you if you consider a dome over the over the uh, altar, this is actually uh, arched over the dome like this, and uh, and then on either side of it are um, Moses and Elijah both all, all floating together and Jesus of course as I mentioned before with this image if you can't it's hard to see with this, with this but in the, in the poster I've got home, I brought home a picture he doesn't have any wounds so Jesus hasn't finished his life's journey and he, uh, this is kind of a preview of what's going to come and the disciples don't know how much suffering is going to come they just see this and, want, of course, they want to stay. So this gospel is very interesting. I was praying about it because we have so, We hear it so often. This year we'll hear it twice, once during, I think, the fourth week of Lent, if I'm not mistaken. Third or fourth week of Lent, we hear the transfiguration. And the Jesus gives them this. He wants them to be encouraged because it's, he's not going to look like God to them. And yet, curiously, he only takes three of the 12 up there with him. Because we're not all the same, we don't all have the same role. We're not all in charge. You know, not all of us are going to be Mother Teresa of Calcutta or Padre Pio or, or whatever. You know, we, but we all have a role to fulfill that is equally important. Because God only asks of us what we're, what we are being, um, what, what we are capable of, and what what role we have get, been given in this world. So, when they get up there. Um, they're not expecting this they just they're going to pray and moses and elijah show up they're, they represent the law and the prophets the two principal figures of the old testament in glory awaiting with uh the, the three principal figures other than jesus in the new testament peter james and john the, as, as saint paul said the three acknowledged pillars of the early church in their meeting one in time one in eternity. But look at what they were like, Moses and Elijah, when they were living. You know, Moses offended the Lord somehow when he struck the rock and wasn't even allowed to go into the promised land. And yet, obviously, he did get into a paradise, or at least he will be, because he, you see this in this image, that Moses is in glory. But even he had his troubles. Moses and Elijah both got to a point where they nearly gave up. And this was really interesting, is everyone in this image, in a sense, even Jesus has words that encourage us when we're really down. All of them had periods when they were really, really down. And maybe because you know, of the last five weeks I've been going through, I thought of this particular thing. But, but Moses, for example, the, he gets so tired of the Israelites complaining. And he says to God, was it I that gave birth to these people? Are they my people? Why, why am I supposed to be in charge of all these grumbling people? And then he says to the Lord, remember, he sees God face to face in the, in the tent of meeting. You've noticed there's a tent in this, in this gospel. And he says, if this is the way you're going to treat me, why don't you just kill me and get it over with? Do you ever feel like saying that to God? Would you go to confession if you said that? Yeah, you would. Well, Moses said it, and he didn't go to confession. So, you know, it's okay to be honest with God. That they Moses basically said I've had it with this and then after God God in turn began to to encourage him to spread the burden out among elders of the community at that point Moses needed to understand he wasn't being called to carry the whole community by himself the point was is he almost gave up then Elijah Elijah too after he did this incredible miracle uh, in which the he had set up this this altar with nothing but he put this sacrifice on it and dumped all this water on it, and he called on God, and fire came down from heaven and consumed everything and lapped up all the water. Incredible miracle! Next, next thing you know, Jezebel, Jezebel, the, the infamous wife of Ahab, the king of Israel, is chasing after him to to have him put to death. And Elijah spreads himself out, out in the desert and he says, "Take me now, Lord. I'm no better than any other any other prophet. I'm running away." He said, take me, take my life. And instead, the Lord encouraged him to go up to Mount Sinai, where he is then, um, he's going to be giving his his commission over to Elijah. And so both of them had that period where they were very, very down. And then we look at Peter, James, and John. They're still in life. They haven't seen the passion yet. Jesus hasn't been through his passion yet. They don't know what's coming. But when it does come, look what they do. Peter has a moment of despair. I mean, what would you call that when he, when he, Jesus is looking right at him? He's right there, and he betrays Jesus to a servant girl. He, this is the leader of the apostles. He has no guts at all. And then James and John both run away. John is the first to come back. All, all three of them repent of that. But they have that moment of Profound, I give up. It's that I give up moment that they all have, and Jesus Himself, He's fully God and fully human. What does He say in the Garden of Gethsemane? His divinity can see everything that's coming. Thank God we don't have that gift. You know, I don't want to know what's coming. If I didn't know what I was going to go through with this knee, I wouldn't have done it. So, but you know, you get to the other end of it, and you're glad you did. But you know, it's like life is—we don't know what life is going to bring us. And, um, but Jesus says, Father, you know, you can do anything. Take this cup away from me. That's his humanity talking. He's giving you a hint. We can pray this way too. But we finish with, nevertheless, let your will be done. Nevertheless, I choose to trust in you. Trace of Lisieux has, a, is in her diary, it's written in three different parts, three different times. And in the third section, She is living in a period of profound darkness with tuberculosis and just a terrible period of life in which she says herself, she had no vision of heaven at all. She felt Satan was saying to her, all of your sacrifices are for nothing. There is no heaven. There is no God. Nobody loves you. Uh, All of it was in vain. This is all going through her head. It's in her diary. The great Saint Therese, the doctor of the church, you know. This is, no, this is no light-hearted thing. And she said, I choose to believe. I will to believe. I'm going to act as though I believe. And she went on. And so this is what Jesus is showing us, is that occasionally we'll have these mountaintop moments when everything's going great. And we should hold on to that because if you've had, this is called an epiphany, a, a, a an experience of God. If we had this wonderful epiphany moments where we really are so glad to have our faith and I don't know how you can live without faith in a world like this, but sometimes it looks as though God is. Where is He? He's disappeared. I know that when I entered the seminary, I just it seemed like I had a pipeline to God. You know, God was constantly speaking to me. The the head of the vocations in LA uh, said to me, uh, she's uh, she's now in charge of. of She's the, the Vatican lies on for Pope Francis for human trafficking, if you've seen that movie, I, that, I know that person. And anyway, she said to me, she'd never seen anybody in all her years with that, with that diocese that had so many signs and was still sitting on the fence. She said, get off the fence, God has spoken to you. And yet, you know, it's hard to say yes to, to God. And when I, after all that pipeline to God where he seemed to be speaking constantly, as soon as I walked through the seminary, we're like, hello, <laughs> the line went dead. Hello? I'm sorry, I'm using an analogy from the 19th century, I should say got my cell phone. Hello? Hello? (laughs) The the battery's dead. That was Star Trek back in the 90s. But anyway, um, it it was like he disappeared, and it stayed that way for six years, you know? And so we have these ups and downs, but Jesus wants us to know that we're going to have to go through something. We're having a 50th wedding anniversary blessing. I always say that when my grandparents, great grandparents, had their fiftieth, I thought they were so old. Now they now they seem so young. What happened? Don't don't tell me aftermaths. I already know what happened. Um, but the, the point is, and I mar- I had married a wonderful couple yesterday. It was a kind of a, a pile, an islander wedding. It was just wonderful. We I just loved the music and the, some of the native things that they did there. But they're just starting out in their married life, and You know, you've had 50 years, and between there, and I've had 26 years of priesthood, and I wasn't a spring chicken when I entered the seminary. So it's like, it's like all this stuff happens, and we don't know what's going to happen. But we give God a blank check. Uh, It's called life. We don't give up on our faith when it gets tough. Jesus was telling them, you're going to have to go through something, but I'll be with you. Look at the future. Keep your eyes on the vision of the future. I'll go back and finish with St. Therese, a quote I've said many times. But I keep it in my chapel. And she says, the older I get, the more important it is to me. Let us keep our eyes fixed on heaven. Not the evening news and all the depressing stuff that's going on in this world. Let us keep our eyes fixed on heaven, the one and only object of our labors. Jesus calls us forward to the future. This is a vision of the future for all of us. We are to be transfigured, but transfigured through what we've been through. Life's not a pleasure cruise. That's heaven. We have to go through things. Things are going to be coming. You may be in it now. Maybe it's in the past. But God is always with us. And that's that's it's just such a wonderful feast of the of being transfigured. But through suffering, they, Peter they didn't want to. They did not want to go to to leave the mountain. But Jesus said, "You can't stay here yet. We haven't finished with life." And they put they packed up their tents that they had already started to unpack. It was a religious thing that tent. And, and put it back then after after God said to them uh, this is my son be quiet then of course they fell on the ground overcome with fear and this wonderful image of Jesus he comes over to them and he says uh... God speaks to them and then um, they come over they fall flat on their face overcome with with absolute fear at the sound of God's voice and when they look up, there's only Jesus. The vision had ended. And he says, do not be afraid. It's only me. And he's back to his hidden humanity. So Jesus encouraged us, in our, wherever you are, whether you are in an I give up moment or isn't life wonderful, God is with us through all of that because we have a vision of the future where all of that is finally passed. And it's called uh, the transfiguration for all of us in heaven. Please, God.